Welcome to Pull the Pin Already, a place where average veterans come to share their views on the world we live in. We can't promise you like what we have to say, but we'll promise it's genuine. I'm Jim. And I'm Mike. It's time to pull the pin. Let's go. All right, Mike, what do we got on the topic today? Topic for discussion today, Jim, something near and dear to our heart, life after the military. Ooh. Yeah. For some of that come for some of us that comes quick. For some of us it takes many years. Oh yeah. How was it for you? Oh, well, uh, it's a little different because like when I think of life after the military, uh, I made the transition from active duty to reserves. Oh, okay. so there was, well, I never uh, knew that about you. it was still a connection. Um, but I, I could talk about the specifics of just making the transition itself. So do you want to start with this or you want me to go ahead and get a start? Oh, I'll, I'll start with it. Um, Life after the military, man, that's uh, that's hard. It's hard. It wasn't necessarily hard for me because I think I shared this with you sometime in the past about how uh, I just had to let it go. I had to do a cold turkey, let it go, try not to mention the military, think about the military. This is civilian life. Nothing's going to be like the military. And I can honestly say, boy, was I wrong. I <laughs> Because once I got out, I was on a, what do they call that back then? Terminal leave? I don't know if they still call it Terminal that. Terminal leave. That's yeah. when you still have time left. Yes. And I was double dipping, what they call double dipping, because I started working for the Federal Bureau of uh, Prisons. So I was working as a, a CO in the federal prison, and I was still on terminal leave. So they liked you so much from your last visit, they hired you? Yeah. Yeah, they said I was a model inmate. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's, let's, let's break it down. Like, uh, I think this ties in great to like what we, uh, we always talk about, even like a disclaimer and whatnot. We all have different experiences. Yeah. I mean, we all came into the military with different skill sets, different backgrounds, different mm -hmm. uh, tools, like they say, to deal with different things. So our life after the military could be very different depending who you're talking about. Right. Also, it could be very different depending on what your service was like. Yeah. So let's draw one common similarity that everyone in the in the military experiences, and that's what I call basic training. Yeah. So we've all been to some sort of basic training, whether it's, you know, the Army's uh, boot camp or if it's the Marine Corps, you know, Kumbaya circle that makes you love each other, right. or if it's the Navy's bicycle ride. Whatever it is, the, uh, I'm sure the Air Force is probably online, right? They did online right, training. Right. <laughs> whatever it is... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding, guys. Don't hate me. Yeah. Um, so whatever it was, uh, the concept was the same. They brought you out of the civilian world, problems and all. They stripped you down of as much as they legally possibly could. They forced you to live in the environment. And then they took whatever it was, uh, eight weeks. What did we do? 16 weeks? What was eight weeks for uh, the basic, 16 for yeah. AIT, right? Yes. So they, yes. they took at least eight weeks and they retrained you to do what their mission was. Yes. So just think about that alone. That process is called reconditioning. Mm -hmm. And eight weeks is long enough to make new habits. Right. And under the circumstances, those habits will be reinforced because you're in the environment constantly. Yes. So think about that. You take somebody out of their civilian world, put them through that. What do you think is going to happen when you let them out and there is no eight-week 
reintroduction to the civilian world. Right, too. right. And I think the that's probably why during our time they they I don't know what it's called now, but they had a cap. Mm-hmm. So to slowly like I think there was like six months when I was getting out, or maybe a year. No, I wasn't. It wasn't a year because I got out right after you. So, and well, it, go ahead. If I remember, a cap though was more classroom kind of. It was yeah, information like, more uh, than. Yeah, it was online back then, like an online version, let's say you're going to the classroom, but it was um, to try to get you ready as best they could. Right. I would All love the while to see, keeping you, you know, you're still doing your soldier duties. I would love to see the uh, the military go more to something like a, a purchase of a, a housing complex or something mm-hmm. and bring all the veterans in for the last six months of their tour, bring their families in if they can, whatever, and just start the actual living civilian life. Mm. You know what I mean? I know it's probably money. It's, you know, whatever, yeah. but yeah. I, you might save in the long run because I think we have a very high homeless veteran population. Sure do. Very high suicidal veterans. Yes. we got yes. a lot of veterans with PTSD. Yeah. I mean, so I think that cost we probably come off the back end and you'll save a lot of lives. Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of the veterans of old who committed suicide had what we now call PTSD. Sure. Or some type of, uh, uh, what do they call it, MTBI, you know, mild traumatic brain injury, I believe it is. Right. Yeah, so in, now we know about these things, but, you know, let's let's call it what it, what it is, the Vietnam vets. <clears throat> They weren't privy to a lot of the things that today's vets are. And oh. we can say in 20 years from now, those vets are going to be privy to things that the uh, guys are getting out now. Mike, 20 years privy. from now, soldiers aren't going to be fighting the wars. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, you know, working that joystick on those, right. uh, yeah, that's hard work. Right. You know? the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. No more video games at no, home. We respect you guys. We really do. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I, it, I to, it is an adjustment, man. And I think a lot of people, when I say I tr- my intent was just to let it go because mm-hmm. I was talking to a lot of people, talking to family, and I knew it was going to be a hard adjustment. But the funny thing is, Jim, <clears throat> excuse me. The funny thing is when I got to my job and started my new career path, everyone was a veteran. Right. Yeah. So it's a lot of camaraderie there if you will right you know? well, that's that's actually a good thing though i think yeah yeah absolutely. i think it's a good thing because that's a soft transition yeah because you, yeah. you have a lot of things the army gave you but you're really a civilian yeah so yeah. i think your experience is a, a real a blessing because it was a soft transition right right i didn't have that soft transition mm. and i could tell you you know when I spend most of my, I, I spent 10 years active duty, uh, that was on constant high adrenaline. You know what I mean? Even when you're not um, in combat, I mean, you're still constantly being stressed to, to high levels throughout the, the week. I mean, very seldom. I believe that has a lot to do with why a lot of military guys turn to things like alcohol and, yeah. you know, stuff like that because they're in constant stress, yeah. even if it's not in combat. Same thing with police officers. Right, right. But, but we, I, you know, we'll keep it with the uh, vets right now. Right, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. And it, there's a similarity. You know, yeah, there's definitely it absolutely a is, between yeah. the two. Right. Yeah. But like you were saying, not all of them, I can't speak for all of them because they all haven't experienced the same thing. Some guys right. go to, you know, to work in the Army or in the, or in the military, they go to work and their job is so easy mm-hmm. that they don't have any of that stress that, you know, other, other units, other people have. Right. So their transition, and I, I don't pick on the Air Force, but I like to use the Air Force as an example because when people join the Air Force, 
except for a few fields, most of them are really joining a job. Yeah. And, and they're just in the military. Right. Because their, their environments are usually relaxed. And when they get out of the military, they've got these skills that just slip right into a job. Right. I mean, that's not all of them, obviously, but right. there is a lot of cross uh, crossover there. So, but then when you go look at like Marines, Marines are buried in combat maneuvers. They're buried mm-hmm. in camaraderie and they're buried in this stuff. Yeah, that's a so, life. Yeah, so that becomes your life. And anytime you're doing something for such a long period of time, it will become your identity. Yes. It will be your purpose in life. And it's almost like you can't relate to anything else. Right. Yeah. And then when you're you're out of the military, you're stripped of all that. Right. So now you're at home and whether you've got uh, a network or not, whether you've got resources or not, you're still stripped of everything you had when you were in the military. Just right. like Just like when they brought you in, but without the training to go out. Yes, uh, to bring you in, they stripped you of your identity. And, and trained and you. Into, yes. But they didn't but, do that in verse. They right, stripped you of your right. military identity, but they right. just sent you out to the wild. Exactly. It's almost like you have to find another career, another job where you have that military-like structure. You know, and I think like working for the government is one of them. Right. You know, uh, being a police officer is one of them. Dare I say, maybe firefighters too, but you know, we'll uh, talk about that another day. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, you know, I, mean, I got my I respect for firefighters, but I'm just not going to go there and say, because their schedules tend to be a little bit too relaxed. When they're in the well, heat of the moment, yeah, get it. Now, I will say this, their schedule is relaxed, but not for all of them. Because it's relaxed, but some of them, oh man, this is going to sound bad. Probably would do say- we want, Do you want to go there? Yeah, yeah, I have to. Okay, I have right. to because they they understand. They know, sure. you know, as a former police officer, I have a guy that uh, I work with. He's a, a part time firefighter. He does all the training, fight fires, and we we throw jabs at each other all the time. Wait a you know? Firefighters trained to fight fires. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's oh, yeah. that's that's, yeah. that's good even, training. Even the part timers, yeah, yeah. Good training. <laughs> See, part time police officers, they don't do any training. Not even traffic control. No, no, oh. no. Just mall cops. All right. <laughs> so they, they no, ride segways. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Uh, as far as um, that stress, like what you're talking about, I think it's an additional stress because you're used to that stress in the military, right? It's still stressful, but then when you get out, you don't have that structure, so it becomes more stressful because now you're you're. In, in essence, you're being told, okay, you can think freely now. Do whatever you want. Are you think still for use, yourself. You're using the firefighter example? Yeah, pretty much. But I think, I think they walk into a network. I think they walk into a camaraderie that's above and beyond. Because mm. those guys cook for each other. They sleep, you know, in the same yeah, firehouse. So I yeah. do feel like they, they have a bonus with that, with that part of it. Yeah, that's true. I never really thought about it like that because right. they, they they eat, sleep, and they live with each other for right. those 42, 48 or 72 hours or whatever. Right, and there, yeah. there, is, there is somewhat of a structure because they have to take turns cooking and things like that. And, yeah, you know, and cleaning. Right. Washington. Oh, they're going to get on here. Oh, man, they're going to get us. <laughs> All right, so life after the military isn't just about being a firefighter. Right. <laughs> 
a cleaning and cooking, yeah. But it is an example of how a transition could be actually smoother. Yeah. Uh, and I think like in your scenario too, where you go work with a bunch of veterans, at least you, you retain that camaraderie and things like yeah. that. Yeah. But you also have to look at another thing where I think you mentioned earlier about like uh, the traumatic brain injuries and things like that. You got to remember that, that most of the vets coming out, especially now, are coming out with physical and mental injuries. That's right. Yeah. You know, so think about that. So you're not only losing your identity from the military, you're losing a a support network and structure. You're losing a bunch of camaraderie. You've also got to deal with your own injuries. Mm. So I think your network should be strong. And I don't think a lot of people have a strong network. I'm just guesstimating here because there is a homeless problem, overdose drugs, you know, suicides. That would lead me to believe that these guys don't have a good network. Mm. So I think the network really is important. And I think either it's partly up to the military to do that, or if you're lucky enough, the community. And I think you can find a nice community, but I want to give you like a perfect, a a perfect, not a a personal struggle that I have. Um, Okay. Because I did this. I came out of the military with all those, um, all those things we just talked about. So I had a little bit of a higher expectation of my community. You know, I kind of thought, you know, being a neighbor was like being a battle buddy or being next to a guy in a foxhole because guess what? We're on the same street. We've got to look out for each other. So I kind of had that expectation, but I Mm. found out really quick that even though my neighbors may wave to me, they don't give a damn about what's going on in my life. No. And I'm not going to say that for all, but that's the reality of it. And that kind of shocked me a lot. Mm. So what do you believe you were expecting from these neighbors? Well, I was expecting for one, you know, I I don't ever like, I know you talked about before, like the hero status. I don't ever look at me as a hero, but I do expect people to understand that, Hey, this guy was in the military. And I think everybody looks at the military a kind of one way or another, maybe, or maybe people have their own judgment of it. But I think Mm. when we'll talk about military, they, they associate it with war, you know, they may not think you're a hero, but they know you weren't out there having a picnic. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I have to assume that people think that the military involves some sort of struggle. Maybe mm-hmm. not the sacrifice. Maybe they won't recognize the sacrifice as genuinely as, as they maybe you wish they would. But they have to recognize that you're something. I mean, think about it. There's military discounts. There's, you know, all these programs helping the vets. People right. are very aware what military people go through. So, no, I, I would disagree with that. No? No, generally speaking, what I've uh, witnessed, observed, whatever, is if you're not near a military base, they don't know. Really? And I'll go out on a limb and say a lot of them, unless they know someone who personally, who was in the military, they generally don't care. And I'm not saying it like they're wrong. Is you know, you care about what you know about, let's say, right? So these people, they're like, hey, oh, you in the military? Oh, okay. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? Right. It's like there's no, hey, thanks a lot for your service. But in a military town, like where I am right now, oh, yeah, people say thank you for your service. And sometimes in a military town, you get less of that because you'll be saying it to damn near everyone that walks down the street. Right. You know what I mean? So. Right. It's like a catch-22, if you will. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. I don't look at people as 
unpatriotic in any way. I'm not, we're not talking about that. But for someone like you who's coming out and you had some, maybe some expectation from the neighbors, then I, I get it. I get it. You know, when you use the knowledge of being in a foxhole with them, I, I get it. I get it. But me, I was very uh, standoffish. Really? Yeah, yeah. And and you know, maybe you're maybe you're right. I think a, a lot of the I have from veterans in my neighborhood, and they they are that. They're the guy, the garage guys. You know, they're uh-huh. sitting in the car, build the car or whatever in the garage. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. but I I literally went to every house in my my immediate vicinity and introduced myself. Like I literally went to say hello to all my neighbors. Wow, you talking about where you are now? Where I am now. Oh, is there like a military base around? Or? No. No, I just thought that's what you're supposed to do. I thought, you know, we're living like this close. Yeah. We're sharing a fence, some of us. Uh, Maybe we did uh, be a little involved in each other's life somehow. Mm, No. 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 I just thought that was the way, and I was shocked. And I understand why you thought that. I I really do. You know, even from not even military, man. It's just if you watch some of the old movies, someone moves into the neighborhood, you bring them a dish. Right, That's right. being neighborly, right? right. <laughs> That's the community. You know, it's just like uh, maybe a couple of months ago, the guy up the street saw my kids riding their bicycles. And he said, hey, man, I, got, I have a larger bike that they'll grow into. You know, it's a girl bike, so he gave it to my daughter. And that's that's community. Right. He didn't sell it. He didn't put it on Facebook or whatever to make some money. It's like people in the community taking care of each other. So I get it. I really do. But once again, generally speaking, no, that's not reality. It's not. I was I was very um, shocked about what reality was. Right. I'm not going to sit here and say that my neighbors aren't good people. Right. You know, I just kind of expected, I, I, I thought my neighborhood was like like a military base. You know, I expected right. that. I expected to find, you know, connection, even with the veterans in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking like, oh, these are veterans. I'm a veteran. Hey, man, we ought to hang out because we can relate. But it's not like that. It's right. just not like that. It's a shame that it's not. Right. Because I think that uh, would help the transition. Yeah, it would. It would help the transition. And it, help, it would help the community as a whole. Right. You know, but I think uh, just to reel it back in, as far as life after the military, a lot of people, I've heard people use the term, well, it's what you make of it. No, it's not that easy. Right. And it's not that, you know, it's not that simple. Some people need a lot of help in that transition. You know what I mean? And when you don't get that help, then PTSD might take over. Sure. You know, that stress level takes over and then they start to do things we hear about in the news. And, and one locally. of the things, I'm oh, sorry. No, locally news, right. local news. You won't hear it on the mainstream. Either. One of the things I like to talk about is, um, you know, when we look at our prison system or we look at even the military and combat and war, what is the worst punishment you can give somebody? Life. Solitary confinement. Oh, yeah. Inside Solitary the confinement. Because yeah. yeah. even the worst of worst prisoners get put in a little box by yep. themselves. That's right. So when you can find people to themselves when they're not trying to be them to themselves, mm. um, you are creating more mental stress and problems in people. Now, I don't think it's everybody's job to be like, hey, there's a vet, let me go. You know, but, but they have to understand that, you know, at some point, if you're not interacting with your neighbors or you're not, you know, you're creating more of a, hey, do these people not like me? Mm. You know, is there something wrong with me? You know, before, you know, I used to have buddies all around me. And even if I didn't like somebody, we fought together and we had a common goal. And and then all of a sudden, you, the veteran, starts to feel alone. 
you start mm. to feel like you're doing something wrong. Right, right. And I think that creates more stress and more problems on you, and it can lead to things like the, the alcohol abuse and yes. you know, stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's been a very hard transition, and I really, in this part, I guess, I- I'd rather make people aware who weren't in the military that you don't have to go out of your way, but just you know, recognize you could be saving a veteran's life by yes, at least right. giving him some attention. Yes. Because he's used to having camaraderie. Yeah. You know, you and, and, have... and it's a simple, it can be as simple as a wave. Yes. You know, it's something very simple. It doesn't have to be, yeah. you know, going over, you know, and watching a movie together or anything like that. No, it's just right. simple. Right. Simple, some social connection of some kind. Right. You know, it makes them feel normal right normal and it means a lot it does and i don't know how long it took for me to break out of that standoffish you know because i went from military to federal bureau of prisons to uh being a own business owner then i went to being a, pol- a police officer so i was always had that structure did you just run down your whole linkedin profile or what yeah pretty much All pretty right. much go check it out there buddy <laughs> I hope the picture's as handsome as the one right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you look better, man. That was years ago. <laughs> Zach, no, I've always hair? had a... No, you don't have any of that. No, uh, no. But no, the, um, you, I always had that structure. Right. You know, so uh, a lot more freedom than the military, but it's still, you know, as a CO, things were structured. Law enforcement. You know, I was always in law enforcement. It's more structured than your average job, so, or average <laughs> career. And you know what? I'm going to try to keep it real. And this is just my opinion. You know, I'm going to keep right. it real. The Army um, took care of us. I mean, to the point where some things we didn't have to worry about. Right. You, know, you, you didn't have to worry about uh, finding a doctor. Right. You went to one hospital. You went to one clinic. You know, you didn't have to worry about even cooking. Yeah, you didn't have to worry about where your next meal was coming from. Right. You didn't have right. to worry about uh, what you're going to do next. Right. <laughs> you didn't have to worry about standing around on board. Right. Well, so you're kind of, you know, you're you're making big big boy decisions out in combat. So you're you're overcoming fear to do brave things that most people wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. But you're kind of spoiled on the other end. Right. And I think that trade off is is because once you flip it and you get out, now there are really less big boy decisions to make. But then there's more taking care of yourself. Mm. So I, I don't want to, to, to sound stupid like I'm some naive, I can't ha- take care of myself kind of person because I can always find a way to survive. Right. You know, that's another think, thing you were trained to do. Right. But I think survival is not the way you're supposed to live. Right. And I think we find ourselves surviving mm. because we don't function without all that structure that we had. Right. And I think that causes a, a, another problem with like the mental side of it that I said. So, you know, surviving is not good enough for us. No. There has to no. be a mission. There has to be something that we're trying to obtain. The survival, purpose. The purpose, right. Survival right. is what we do when times are hard, but we're still going toward that objective. Right. Yep. And I, I think when you get out of the military, you kind of lose that. Yeah, going back to the beginning, the first statement, we weren't trained once we exited the military. Right. At least, like I said, I don't know how it is now. I think it's much better now. I think they start the uh, ETS process or out process uh, a year out now. 
you know, and they start to wean them off of uh, certain requirements like formation. I think they only have to go to formations. And as you get closer and closer, they, you know, slowly but surely the soldier disappears. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I haven't seen it personally. Sometimes uh, I'll say right off the bat, um, when you do get out, there could be some momentum behind that that helps you you know, hit the civilian world because you're so anxious to get out. I mean, yeah. you could probably attest to my story because right. it was Fort Hood where I got out. And it was because right, of right. all that drama mm-hmm. that I did get out. So that kind of propelled me into, uh, you know what, I don't care what's ahead of me. It's better than what I'm going through. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you this, uh, not talking about life after the military, but uh, just before life after the military, what you went through helped solidify my decision on getting out right yeah and that's well that's it's kind of the same thing because now it changes your mentality yeah i always joke about that but i always tell people the two best decisions in my life are joining the military and getting out of the military (laughs) (laughs) it's good it's good those are my two best decisions and and, and i really do appreciate everything i've learned through the military oh forget about it yeah it's done a lot for me but I yeah. think um, a lot of guys can attest that once you get to that midway point, uh, it's the dynamics change. Yeah. And, and, and when you've served so long, I mean, 10 years is a long time to serve in one place or one, not one place, but one right. career. Right. And, and no matter where you go, the job could be different, but the demands are still pretty high. Exactly. So it could take its toll on you, but it also has solidified so many things that you Why do you break. Why do you think there's constant stress in the military? Uh, I think it's because we always need to be alert. I think mm. complacency is our biggest enemy in the military. Yeah. And, I, and I say that from a, an aspect of uh, not just when we're at war, because even when you're at war, it's pretty obvious. The enemy can come from when anywhere. Right. But even back here, you, I mean, you've seen incidents on bases, on installations. Somehow you can still be the target in your own country, safe on your own installation. Mm-hmm. So I yep. think you can't ever get complacent. So you have to always stay sharp. Right. And for that reason, I would tell our military brethren and sistren out there, please, please, please seek counsel if need be. Right. First and foremost, if you're getting out, there are a lot of groups out there for you to maintain that camaraderie. You know, so that will lessen the stress. And I did it after, wow, after three years, three or four years after I exited the military. And it still, it helped me tremendously just to have that camaraderie there. I'll go a step further. Go get counseling whether you think you need it or not. True. I will tell you just yeah. just to give you an outlet in case you don't have that that um, that network that you need or, or you right. can't find that network. Go get some sort of counseling and go find all these organizations. I mean, there's plenty of them out there now. Yes, yes. They facilitate this uh, this transition. And so. don't believe that you're the only one that's going through it or have gone through it. Believe me, there are a lot of there are a lot of veterans like yourself out there to this day, and there's a lot who has who have come before you, and those that came before you helped to get these programs and networks in place. Right, and don't don't let your pride in the way and think that oh, right. I'm tough, I don't need this stuff because no. it's not it's not tough to deal with this stuff on your own when you shouldn't have to. That's right. That doesn't make that's you tough. Right. That right. makes you adding stress to your life that's unnecessary. Yeah, because especially what what adds more to it, and I don't want to say 
you know, less stress, more stress because of family members and things like that. But when you have those little mouths to feed, you know, those additional family members, then you, you have to put get a check, a paycheck put a roof over their head, that's your responsibility. Well, so please, there's a lot of programs out there for you. Well, well, let's dive into what you just brought up because family, I think family's, um, I think it's an important element of this. I mean, if you've been uh, in the military with a family, there may be some sort of a, a smaller transition, you know, because they've kind of went through the tough part with you. Usually yes. they're supportive and they, they get the kind of how the military works. But uh, there's some people who, you know, have been in the military, but never been on a deployment. Then they go on a deployment, then they come home and all of a sudden their world could be wrecked because their family has no idea. Right. Right. I I could give you a personal story where I went into the military uh, in the beginning. That's a whole story. But when I went on a deployment, I was already in the reserves. I got reactivated. I went on deployment and you're talking about somebody who's already been out of the military. Mm -hmm. Uh, That deployment was uh, crushing for me. I mean, and just to, to sum it up, I'll, I'll put it this way. I trusted the people at the end of the barrel more than the people behind the barrel. Wow. And it was damaging. I mean, it damaged my trust and everything. But what I was getting at is I went in the military. I went, got deployed while I was dating this girl, a uh, wonderful girl. You know, I mean, probably the first love of my life until this right. day. Um, when I came back she um, expected to pick up right where we left off and not have to deal with what I just went through. Right. Um, And it really destroyed our relationship uh, from my perspective Mm -hmm. because I was the one kind of pushing her away, but I didn't. I mean, I I, I kid you not. I mean, that's the toughest thing I'd have to deal with right now. Well, not the toughest. It was the first real trauma with, you know, losing something I really, really cared about. That was the very right. first one. And it was hard. It was because of the military. Right. So I think... Now, would you say it was because of the military or because you weren't well-adjusted to that part of the military lifestyle? Well, that wasn't my first deployment. I told you this oh, was after right. like nine some odd years in the military. Ugh, that was just was. my toughest deployment. Because mm. that one happened when I was in the reserves after I got off active duty. I got now, called back in. Oh, okay. So would you say, and I don't want you to relive it at all. That's sure, not sure. my intent here. Is looking back on it, because one of the things that I know, the issues that I had, uh, I feel like if I would have shared my feelings with someone a lot sooner, it would have been better that transition would have been a whole lot better. See, I just held everything in, tried to forget about it. And I, I, like I told you, because of the career path that I've chosen, there's a lot of former military there. That was a positive, but it was also a negative because I truly never let it go. Sure, but, but isn't that what we do? Aren't we supposed to be tough in the military? Aren't we supposed to be trained where if we're captured, we're not supposed to give out any information? Right, right, tough it out, yeah. So, so why would we communicate with anybody about feelings and things when we're not even supposed to tell anybody anything more than our social security number and our rank? I mean, Right, right, right. You know, I think yeah. it's a real hard thing. I think a lot of people struggle with that. In fact, mm. I've been involved in some some local groups. We've been doing them on, on uh, you know, the, the, the Internet now. Right. Uh, but I've been involved with a lot of guys sharing some of their stories, which – you know, it's always like, I've never told anybody this before. And my question is, why? Right. Like, why are right. you holding all that in? I mean, what is what is it that's that's keeping you from sharing your emotions, your feelings, your experiences? Because you have to get them out. Mm-hmm. 
you know, if it's not somebody professional, it's somebody you trust. I mean, you can't live with that stuff inside. Right. Yeah, all you do I is agree. relive the war all over again. That's it. That's it. That's why we always say seek help, seek counsel. Sure. It, it helps tremendously. And just for anybody out there listening that's, you know, that maybe this is touching a nerve or touching something with them, you know, you're not the only ones. I mean, there's a lot of you out there that, you know, that for some reason think you're too it's a weakness to share right. your experiences. And, and that's really not the case. I mean, right. that's, it's not the case. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, man. Yeah. But, and you can even do anonymous. There's anonymous sources. You yes. can just call people up anonymously who don't even know who you are mm-hmm. and say, look, this is really bugging me. Cause let's be real. I mean, you know, I know people mean well and they, and they want to talk about like a suicide hotline and like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I've never, I've never thought about suicide on this end of the deployment stuff after post-military stuff. Like, let me relate it to, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to share too much, but, uh, you know, I, I lost my wife. My wife, had, uh, you know, she died of cancer. Um, and one of the things I heard a lot, it's, it's been many years now, so, but uh, one of the things I heard a lot is, is, you know, Jim, if you need anything, let me know. Right. And, and I have to tell you, even though it, people mean well, it's the stupidest thing in the world because if I need something, I'm not going to pick up my phone, scroll through the thing, say, hey, uh, who can I call if I need something? That's not how it works. Just like a lot of these veterans dealing with these stories and these emotions, you need the people around them to be like, hey, I love you. Let's talk about it. Right. You know right. what I mean? So I, I challenge the people who know military people to be more present in their life. Obviously you can't force people in it, but if you know someone, you know, be there for them. You don't have to force them to talk, but you gotta be there for them. Sometimes just, just have sitting a conversation. in the same room is, is plenty. Yeah, just have a conversation because when you say, if you need something, let me know. Now you're putting everything on them. And if something happens, and so, well, I told him or her, if they needed something, just let me know. Well, yeah, but they don't, at that moment, they don't know. Well, I'll give you a good analogy. I'll give you a good, I heard it, from, I heard it once from a pastor in church. He says, he said, imagine yourself, you know, you, you just lost a spouse or you're going through some trouble and, and um, your friend calls up and says, hey, you know, so-and-so, I, I got 30 minutes to talk. I'm coming over. What kind of pizza do your kids like? And you're like, no, 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 it's okay. They don't need the pizza. Look, I got 30 minutes to give you. What kind of pizza do your kids like? You know, oh, cheese pizza, whatever. So, that's a great gesture, right? Now imagine the reverse. Hey, uh, I'm feeling kind of lonely. Can you come over and bring my kids some pizza? Like, mm. who is going to do that? Right. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Yeah, yeah. You're not helping anybody by saying, hey, if you need anything, let me know. Right. You know what I mean? You, If you know this person, you know what they need. Even if it's a, it's a conversation, give them a call, stop by. Yeah. If it's a meal, bring them a meal. If Whatever it is, you know these people. You need to help the people. Yeah, and if all you're doing is giving them the opportunity to release. Yes. And that's the most important. Yeah, you're a, giving them someone to talk to. And sure. even if they don't, even if you just sit there quiet, I've done it, and have a beer, have a drink, or just sit there and watch a show together, you know, right. or the game. 
All right. Sooner or later, you're building up that rapport with them. And sooner or later, you, you just you just never know. They just might release some information. And then it's just going to give them that that woosah moment, man. Right. You know and, what I mean? And to your point, going back to like our, our, our disclaimer and all that, not every veteran's going to want the same thing, need the same thing. Right. Sometimes they're like, no, I just want to be left alone. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you can't reach out and say, hey, just thinking about you. I'm still here if you need me. Right. Just text, message. Boy, I was just about to say just that. Just reaching yeah. out lets them know somebody still cares about them. Yep. I mean, I don't know. You know, this isn't just veteran related, but there's a lot of depression in this world today. I yeah. mean, you can see it because that's why Facebook is so popular and all yeah. these TikToks and all these stupid uh, social media garbage. Right. Because so people are so lonely, they're reaching out. And yet the best thing you could do is what? Like their thing? I mean, right. on, like what, what does that do? Yeah. You know, it, it gives them a little bit of, hey, somebody liked my thing. But in reality, they just need to know you care enough. So find people. I challenge all you. Find people, whether veteran, not veteran. Just find people in your life and, and let them know you care. Let them know you yeah. appreciate them. Just talk to them. Talk exactly. to them, you know, and, and if the once you build that rapport, ask them, ask them about their service. As long as it's, you know, don't try to delve into that uh, wartime stuff because sure. you know you don't want to strike a nerve or something like that. But you know, just the slightest little thing helps them out, man. And this goes to everyone else, like you said, you touched on it also. If uh, certain other professions out there, people are stressed out, right? Especially with everything that's going on in the world today, people are stressed out with their jobs, whether they're a manager somewhere, not even a manager, uh, maybe some wages got cut or something, know your surroundings, know your people, you know, especially if uh, you're friends with them and family members. Right. Are you, reach out. You consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Uh, both. All right. That's like not really, <laughs> that sounds very contradictory. No, no, no. Um, when I meet new people, I'm very, I'm an extrovert. But once I get to know you, uh, I'm an introvert when I new, meet new people. So you're people. a little shy, but once you get to know people. No, I'm not shy. Don't, don't ever call look me shy. shy. But no, just um, reach out to people, get them help. Well, you I, I, help. I, I want to touch on that because I, I'm an extrovert and I get what you're saying. I don't consider myself. You are not an extrovert, Jim. No. <laughs> No. All right. I'm annoying. Okay. I'm an annoying talker, um, sometimes called extroverts, but <laughs> I, I talk, I can talk to anybody. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm very apprehensive at first, like you. So I don't consider that introvert. I think that's uh, optimistically cautious that I want to talk to people, but I definitely want to gauge okay. what I'm talking to. You, using that right there, thanks for that clarity. Uh, but yeah, I'm an extrovert. Like, like I'll be in the, in the back of someone at the, um, the grocery store, you know, and I'll, 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 I'll kind of feel out the situation. Is it angry? Is it, you know what I mean? Like, what's going on? But ultimately, if I find an in or a way in, I'm going to talk to them. Right. And, and sometimes I find it that they're very irritated because they have to wait in line or, or there's no more milk or something like that. And, and I'll try to find an in something to, to make it all funny. Uh, I'm not always successful because some people really don't want to be bothered. Right. And then I just have to shut my mouth and not bother them. But mm. I'm bringing this up because sometimes you have no idea the impact you make just by a small conversation or comment, you can completely change a person's life, day, moment, whatever it is, mm. just when they think somebody cares about them. Yes. 
you know, especially if you look on the conveyor belt and there's like duct tape and kerosene and things like that, you might want to save some. <laughs> a shovel, some <laughs> right, right. rope, plastic right. bags, exactly. <laughs> a tarp. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you, might, you might want to interject, but like, hey, you going camping? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You know, you could have got this cheaper at Home Depot. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I just, I want to emphasize that, you know, people, we have a culture now that, uh, I mean, I guess if you can call it an American culture, everybody's just so a little too selfish and a little too busy. Mm. And I think uh, we can have a whole topic on that. So we don't need to. Yeah, that, 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 that was going to be one of my uh, pull the pen segments. You sure. But, so yeah. We, we yeah. definitely need to be a little more, um, we need to slow down a little bit. We need to be a little more compassionate, just understand what other people might be going through. And I know it's not easy because I do it too, yeah. you know? Yeah. We're all I, guilty of it. I could be a hypocrite, you know, get behind a slow driver and be like, hey, dude, move. And then somebody pulls up behind me and I'll be like, why don't you wait? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have some patience, won't yeah, you? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm not guilty of it, but right. I do feel some guilt when I do it. So at least right. I'm on the right track. Yep. It's funny how uh, sometimes, and I noticed that about me also, so it's helping me be a better person. And using the uh, uh, driving reference, um, some people would do something, and I can always relate to some time, month, six months, where I did the same exact thing. Right. So I don't, I don't get upset. I say, hey, right. it's just coming back on you. You, right. you know or, what I mean? Or when you do those stupid things and you feel really bad, you kind of like wave to the driver, even though you and know they, they can't, can't see you. <laughs> But it makes you feel good. Right, right, right. It's like, it's the same thing, Jim. That's what we're talking about. If you need something, let me yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's more like clearing your own guilt. Exactly. It's not exactly helping yeah. anybody. It's clearing Right, your right. Guilt. Yeah, so it's kind of I like the way we tied that together. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you really consider yourself an extrovert there. I don't. I, I don't see you as being that, though. I don't even want to hear what you consider it. <laughs> Nah, nah. Um, I, I wish, I will say this, I wish more people, when meeting someone, had the same encounter we did when we first met at Fort Hood. Wow. You know what I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to think hard on that one. Yes, yeah, do it, do it. Just think back to when we met and what you were thinking. We should, we talked about this. So that's why I say, don't respond now if you don't really remember. No, yeah, you're going to have to refresh really? my memory. Okay, off I'm, camera. I was, oh, man, you yeah. just messed up the whole thing, man. Yeah, because I, 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 have, I have good, fun memories of you because you were there for me. You know, I, like you, you had my back. Like I Yeah, but in the, the beginning, you didn't think I would. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't remember that. Honestly, nope. really, I don't remember that. But well, that's you because, slept since then. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, I slept a couple <laughs> nights. But but also, I'm, you know, I can't lie. My personality. I'm 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 from Jersey, dude. Right. I'm cynical and judgmental right out the gate. Yeah. So I'm always going to be a, a judgmental. But that that's something I have to get under control and do the things I'm talking about. You know, I'm like, mm. I, I may instantly judge something or someone, but I still have to reach out and say, Hey, how's it going? Right. You know right. what I mean? So I, I'm not going to like sit here and pretend, you know, I, I'm not a hypocrite or, well, I guess we're all hypocrites in some way, but I'm not going to say here, Hey, you need to talk to people, but you know, I do go through a process, but that's right. my process. And, yeah. and if for some reason I didn't think you were going to do that, you probably gave me a good reason. No, other people did. 
Oh, well, then, you know, yeah, see, other people it, I trusted. Yeah, your leadership. Oh, okay, then, well, fair enough. So you, I mean, you, you, brought, but, you're, you were very apprehensive about bringing the topic up to me, what your, what your intentions were or what you wanted, right? And you, then when I started to <laughs> go to bat for you, you're like, wow, I, I didn't Well, well let me that, ask you, you a know? question, though. Did I do it? What? Did you do what? Did I bring it to you? Did I... Yeah, you did. So I just proved what I just said. That's, that's my point. <laughs> exactly. I, that's what I do. I, I will be apprehensive. No different yeah. than, you know, anywhere I go that's a new place, a new environment. I feel it out. I don't really, you know, get involved yet until I do feel that comfort. Right. So, and that goes along with what I'm talking about, how right. well, since we just talked about it, right? <laughs> right. Well, we, um, we are quick to judge people. Yeah. But I, and I'm not opposed to judge. You know, I hear, let, let me just get this on the table. I hear people all the time say, well, who are you to judge? Mm-hmm. And I have a problem with that because I think I'm me. I get to right. judge. Right. And I don't think there's any problem with judging people. I think the problem is when you try to condemn people based on your judgment. Mm. So you have the right to judge anything you want. If that ice looks thin, you're not going to step on it because you're using good judgment. Right. But you just can't say, well, that's, that ice is too thin. Right. You throw a rock on it, right? Right, right. So you still test it, even though it, your judgment was made, you don't condemn the ice. Right. And I think that's the difference with me. Like when people say, you, you know, who are you to judge? Let me tell you, we all judge. Right. We all have and a that, standard. That's not just we judge. as a vets. Right, correct. Yeah, correct. Everyone. So if, if I receive information that leads me to believe you're some kind of way, and then I approach you or I, I evaluate your demeanor, that may validate it. Right. But ultimately, I have to put it to the test, and which is what I did. So mm-hmm. I'm not here trying to tell you I don't judge people or whatever. I, I do exactly that to the people in the, in the grocery line. I right. judge them, but right. then I compare that judgment to their demeanor. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, I still try to push a way through to give them the opportunity to do validate right. my judgment. Now, whether your judgment is negative or positive? Regardless. Right, okay. Regardless, if you think somebody, the popular kid in high school, you think he's the coolest kid, everybody loves him, ah, I got to be this guy's friend, I got to be this guy's friend, so you go out of your way, you be his friend, and all of a sudden you find out this guy's a jerk. He's right. a selfish jerk that doesn't care about anybody but himself, you know? That's I think a lot of the people who, when they use that term, well, who are you to, well, who are you to judge? That's kind of personal. But when they say things like, well, you shouldn't judge people. Right. You, you, you know what I mean? It's right. without getting to know someone. Well, then, you finish, you're, you're, then finish it. Then say that. Yeah, Don't say exactly. you shouldn't judge people because we judge right. everything all day long. Right. Everything judge, and everyone. You judge your clothing based on the weather. Right. You know, maybe yeah. if you give it a different word, maybe it's just parsing words and semantics. Right, right. But the way I look at judging is I do it all the time. Well, now just to reel it back into our show now. Now, that's a part of the training, though. Sure. Yeah, that's a part of our training. Army-wide, well, military, and job-specific with us being a former military police. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, we're, we're constant situational awareness. I mean, exactly. That's a constant thing. You yeah. know, and I have to explain that to people sometimes, too, you know, that, that some of my habits, you know, I, I don't really like them, but I their habits. I mean, I right. do this because that's what I've been doing for so many years. We all are like that, you know? Yeah, and what we have to realize, Jim, is, once again, bringing it back, is that when we, 
you do it, others do it, but you can work through it. Especially now when you get out the military, life after the military, right? So you have to realize not everyone is a vet and not, right. not everyone understands what vets have gone through. Right, and I also understand that my neighbors may think badly of veterans may think veterans but that's where i still say the challenge is no matter what your judgment is you need to do something to confirm that right my neighbors were more hospitable and they said gee this guy's a jerk right then you you don't have to be a good neighbor because you've already confirmed your judgment yeah now you're condemning me for who i am right and that's what i'm saying i'm merely saying that you know even in the scenario you know, what I spoke about, you have to get through the judgment part. There has to be some other action. Right. And people tend to be a little, um, they, they resist themselves to being in the situation because they take their judgment. They're like, they just assume and that's it. They put their head down and right. that's it. I don't want to be confrontational. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, sometimes they don't even want to know the truth. That's true. Because it's easier just to not talk to you. Yeah. And, you know, some people, getting back to the word judging, they'll judge you, right, based off of one little thing that they don't even want to get to know the rest of you. Right. Right? Some people might think all vets are a-holes. Right. And then as soon as you pull the pen segment, let your grass grow a little tall, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I knew that about those vets, you right, know, right. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's the, when you talk about judging, don't judge. That's the part that I, I can relate to. Right. And, and I'll even go a step further. And I don't expect people to do it, but I think the more you try, you know, even like we were talking about, like just messaging somebody, you know, yes. if they don't want to be alone. The more you try, the more you start to understand the depth of these people, you might even be confused on their, their behavior during a right, certain incident. Right, right. You could be reading them completely wrong. Like yeah. if I answer my door with my gun in my hand, you know, you might be like, this guy's a psycho crazy, yes. you know, but you have no idea what I went through. Exactly. So that doesn't mean I don't like you. I'm right. trying to solicit and sell me something. There's a good chance. Yeah. But Spam. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean I don't like you. I just... That's my experiences. So you get to know me. And if I trust you, you know, I'm going to let you around my family. I'm going to let you near my house without, you know, any threat to your life. Right. I agree. Not that I'm I agree. threatening people, but, you know. Right. This well, is you're my, a vet. This is my bunker, right? This is my yeah. safe space. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, show me, show my, me you're safe. My house is where I'm supposed to be safe and protect, right? That's right. So, yeah. That's right. That's your castle, brother. All right. Well, I mean, if you want to wrap this up, we can. Uh, what do we want to, you know? Say no, that? we're not gonna. We'll we'll temporarily temporarily pull the pin on this one. I think this is a good topic. I think it's gonna come back. Yeah, I think it could come back in different ways. So, yeah. but as far as today's show goes, let's you know, let's pull the pin on it right now. Uh, okay. Let's give a final assessment though. Uh, military light or transition, easy and hard, depending who you are. But I think a lot uh, of people need yeah. to be involved in it. Regardless yes. of whether it's you have to have that, and you, I think the word you used earlier was network. You have to have that network, and there's a lot of you have to seek out those programs, and uh, there's a lot out there. And go to the VA. Sure. Yeah, All that's right. where you get a lot of information. 
it'll awesome. help. Awesome. So uh, let's go move on to our favorite segment, the namesake, uh, pull the pin already. If, again, it's again for uh, you guys that don't know, it's where we just kind of bring up something that irritates us out in the regular daily life. Serious and, uh, topics. It could be whatever you want. So Serious uh, topics. Yeah, of course, Mike. So um, <laughs> now uh, you have the honor of going first. Uh, Jim, I know you, you never had this problem, okay? <laughs> I, lo- I love your dramatic readings. I just love them. Why do we have to cut the grass? <laughs> I just have to know. And why can't it be four inches or six inches? Because some grass, when it's six inches tall, is beautiful. But these neighborhoods, homeowners, associate they don't understand the grass etiquette like I do. The only thing they know, tall grass is bad, that judging. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Like if you look at Bermuda, you can't let that grow too high because then the fungus comes in. It fescue. If it grows tall, it starts to wave with the wind. It's beautiful. Why do we have to cut the grass? Now, for those people, just like what you're about to say, I can read your lips, man. You're one of those, <laughs> you're one of those people, I know it. But for people who say you need to cut your grass down to two inches, three inches, I say, I'd like to hand you the grenade and I'll pull the pin. Thank you. Well, I do actually have an answer for you why we need to cut the grass. Oh, just damn. <laughs> why is that, Jim? It's the reason the grass is green and the sky is blue, right? <laughs> so we know the difference. The longer your grass gets, the less sky we see, right? I mean, do you um, want everybody to have a corn maze in their backyard? They should, because that's more oxygen. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, and, and I'm not going to argue with you because I hate cutting grass. So right, I'm definitely right. going to support you on this one. <laughs> All right. Well, mine is something oh. that's more recent. Um, you know, oh, the, the save the world thing again, you know. Paper straws. Ooh. Paper straws, like, uh, well, here's the crazy part. This is the crazy part I want to get in. Some places, and I think it's for sanitary reasons, did away with plastic straws to go to paper straws and put the paper straws in plastic wrapping. <laughs> so I've never seen that. <laughs> so forget about the plastic. <laughs> Have you ever drank with a paper straw? Yes. It, it, it's like chewing mashed potatoes. I mean, it's just, and if you let it sit long enough, it's no longer a straw. I know they try their hardest, but I don't even want to know what they keep in it to keep it strong enough because right. uh, it's probably not paper. <laughs> <laughs> but if it is, I sound like an ignorant fool. But either way, stop with the paper straw stuff. If anything, I'd rather not even have a straw. Just tell people, no, you got to drink out of the cup. The there you paper go. cup or right. plastic cup. Uh, I do get pack, uh, plastic cups with paper straws. Right, so right. I'm kind of lost in the whole delusion thing, but hopefully I saved a couple years on this world mm. by drinking from that paper straw. Yeah, hopefully. you did your part. So that's my pull the pin already. Um, so I guess to wrap that all up. Hey, I have a question for you. What's that? Did you know that in Austin, you cannot sell a drink with a plastic straw? has to be a paper straw. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know Austin specifically, but I know there's this certain coffee place that starts every new fad that saves the world. Um, and, and it's, let me tell you, it's ridiculous. 
Um, right. I have to pay a ridiculous amount of money for a cup of smoking, joking, whatever you want yeah. to call it, with yeah. a touch of everything. Yeah. And then they hand me a plastic straw. Right. Uh, I should get a refund on some of this drink. Yes. Because yeah. I'm saving the environment. Exactly. But no. Or, or the price of the drink should go down. Yes. Yes, yes. exactly. Yes. Yes. In my <laughs> meltable straw with my meltable cup. Uh, I hope I don't get anything hot in it, you know. Yeah. Anyways, I'm not picking on them anymore. So <laughs> we are going to do away with paper straws and short grass. I mean, let's pull the pin, it, buddy. Right? Yeah. Awesome. Pull the pin. All right. Well, thanks for joining us here. Pull the pin already. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Feel free to like, share, subscribe, or whatever else you want to do. But most importantly, leave a comment below and let us know how you feel. Until next time, Godspeed. And pull the pin.